Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. We took a little bit of a break over the summer because our team at Clayton King Ministries has been running our annual Crossroads Summer Camp. So that means we've spent six straight weeks this summer serving students by helping them feel loved and sharing the gospel. This year, we celebrated 26 years of doing summer camp. We served over 87 groups from nine states, 3,000 students and leaders. We saw 650 professions of faith, 300 commitments to serve in ministry, and we raised $25,000 to support missionaries overseas. That means we took up $25,000 from teenagers and from student leaders to support people in overseas missions. These things are amazing, and I'm not usually a numbers person, but I think unless I tell you some of the numbers of what we've done, you don't quite understand the scope of what we do every summer. Each day of camp, we have two services, which include times of worship through praise and preaching. The messages are always so inspiring. So this year, I'm creating an entire podcast season so that you can hear some of the messages, which I know will encourage you. And when you find them inspiring, I want to ask you to do two things. First, share these podcasts with your friends, family, and people who you think will benefit. Secondly, we have our annual winter conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee for students where you can hear many of the same speakers from this podcast season. The dates this year are January 14 through 17, 2022. So if you're a youth leader, a student, or even a parent with teenagers, we would love to have you. You can sign up today at crossroadswinterconference.com. And if you mention Overcoming Monday when you register, you'll receive a special gift. Also, if you're interested in having Clayton or Marquise or Jacob or me come and speak at your church or event, you can visit clayton.king.com forward slash speakers and fill out our speaker request form. That's clayton.king.com forward slash speakers. So enough with all the information. Now let's get to the podcast. Marquise Cox is a young adult pastor in San Antonio, Texas, and a Clayton King Ministries speaker. He is married and has a new little one. Marquise preached a message entitled, Turn on the Light, where he challenged the audience to shine the light on their junk, their sin, and their secrets so that they can experience real healing. He explained that just because our sins are hidden, this doesn't mean that they aren't there, that they aren't heavy, and that we haven't dealt with them. Two of the primary verses he used were Psalm 32, 3 through 5, and James 5, 16. So let's get started. Crossroads Summer Camp. How y'all feel? Yes. Man, I am excited to be here. Uh, we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, but like Clayton said, my name is Marquise Cox, and man, I am just super pumped to be hanging out with y'all. One of the biggest reasons why, and you guys have already experienced this, is because there's something that takes place at camp that just can't be replicated anywhere else. And I believe God wants to use this camp in your life to change the trajectory of your life for the better, man. So I am super excited to be with y'all tonight. Uh, just so y'all can get uh, to know me, a little bit. I want to show y'all my family. Here's a picture of my wife and I. Her name is Crystal. I want to throw that up on the screen so that y'all could see us. Uh, so we've been married for seven years now. Uh, December it will make seven years. That's my wife. That's my boo. Thank 
She is so just loving and kind, and, and she puts other people first, and she's just one of the sweetest people, all the reasons why I love her and married her. Here's a picture of our toddler. He's two years old. His name is Denver Cox. That's my little buddy right there, Denver Cox. He is so cool, so handsome. His name is Denver. And then a month ago, our life changed again, and we have another baby boy. His name is Dallas. I have a picture of Dallas. Man, we got Denver and Dallas. We're done. There's no rhyme or reason as to why we have the names, and we're already getting the jokes. You should have a third one named Detroit. No, we're not doing that, okay? Denver, Dallas, we just like the names. But this is my family, and absolutely love being a husband and father. And um, excited to be here with y'all tonight. Here, uh, as we get started, I wanted to open up by asking y'all a rhetorical question, okay? The question is this, what is one of the most scariest moments of your life? I'm talking about like full-fledged scared. I'm not talking about like, oh my God, Greg looked at me. No, I'm talking about you're scared, okay? Like you, you've snuck out of the house and your parents are texting you type of scared. Like, like you've texted someone and you were talking mess about them and you accidentally sent it to them. That type of scare, yeah, y'all know, y'all know. I'm talking about scared, okay? Like, when was one of the most scariest moments of your life? I wanna open up by telling y'all, honestly, this takes the cake. This was the scariest moment I ever had in my life. It took place last year in October. Now, when I open up, this is gonna sound like a fake story, but it's not. It was the day before Halloween, 2020. I know, it sounds fake already. It was the day before Halloween, 2020. We had just done the community thing. We were out in the community passing out candy. We did this little community thing. It was the night before Halloween. It was a crazy storm. Some of y'all may have heard about it. I can't remember the name right now, but it was a crazy storm that had come through, and the wind was so high. It felt like my house was shaking. So we put the kids down. My wife and I are fast asleep. We're just knocked out. I'm talking about that good sleep when you wake up with lines on your face. Y'all know that good sleep, we're knocked out sleep, okay? It's about three or four o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden I heard the most thunderous, like loudest noise on top of my house, like Thor landed on top of my house. It sounded so loud, y'all. Like, this was the loudest bang that I had ever heard in my life. My first thought was, oh my gosh, the rapture just took place. Jesus came back, I'm still here. I looked over, my wife was here, so I was like, we're good. She's a great human, so Jesus ain't leaving her. My second thought was there's an intruder in my home because I felt, I heard the glass also break. So the glass, upstairs glass broke, and then this loud bang. I'm like, someone is in my home. I'm originally from Los Angeles, so in this moment, naturally I was going to go grab my bat. I now live in the South. I was like, I'm gonna go grab my gun. Okay, so, what are y'all cheering for that? <laughs> I didn't know I was gonna get cheers for that. Okay, but I, I'm, I'm in the South now. It's like one of, the, one of the first things people told me. They were like, get you some sweet tea, get you a gun. I was like, all right, all right, relax. So, y'all, I'm, 
like I'm scared. When I heard this bang, my body levitated. I was like, <gasps> it was like, I'm like, I peed a little bit. Not a lot, just, you know, not a lot. Just, just looks not like a full, you know, on the count of three, say one, two, three. Yeah, it was one of them. And y'all, I'm like freaking out. Come to find out. It wasn't an intruder. It wasn't the rapture. This had taken place. It's up on the screens. I have a picture that I want to show y'all of what took place in my house. This 50-foot tree. Now, where it landed, let's keep that picture up there. Where it landed is the master bathroom. The far left glass windows is the master bedroom. That's how close it was. And y'all, this tree landed on top of our house, and it was so loud. I was freaking out. This was top, like, number one scared moment of my life. I am so scared in this moment. Come to find out that all because of this storm and things that had taken place during the middle of the night, this tree was able to fall. But we got on insurance phone calls and we're calling insurance and they're like, well, did you know that the tree was going to fall? I'm like, no, I didn't know that. They're like, did you know if like, the tree was dying? I'm like, how do you know a tree's dying? So we come to find out after all of the investigation that this tree had a toxic virus that was eating away at it. It had eaten away at so much that when you have a toxic tree or a toxic virus that's in a tree, it makes it more susceptible to fall when high winds come. We had something toxic living in our backyard, y'all, and we didn't even know it. This was a subdivision. There's 200 plus homes, and this was the only tree to fall because it had a toxic virus living in it. Interestingly enough, as I think about that, I couldn't help but think to myself as I'm preparing myself for this message, how many of us have toxic things living in our life right under our nose and we don't even know it? How many of us have something that's eating away at our life and we have no idea that it's right under our nose? Here's what I learned from that situation. I think you would agree. Not noticing something toxic when it comes to a tree leads to a damaged roof. But not noticing something toxic that's living in your life leads to a damaged soul, leads to damaged relationships, and ultimately it will lead to a damaged and ruined life. All because we could have something toxic right under our nose and never even know it. And as I talk to students all over the country, y'all, one of the biggest things that I have found is that toxicity lives in three main areas of our life. As I talk to students, they tell me certain things about their life, and they have no idea that what they're actually talking about and what they're actually pointing to is that something toxic is right in their vicinity, and they have no idea. And this shows up in three major areas that I want to talk about tonight. The first place that I think we can have toxic things live in our life and never really notice it's right here. It's up on the screens. We can have toxic thinking and never really notice it. We can have toxic thinking and never really notice it, y'all. And when I say toxic thinking, I'm talking about like, like the way that you talk about yourself, the way that you talk to yourself. But let me ask you this. What do you say about you? How do you think about you? Because I'll tell you this, more than anybody else in my short 30 years of living, I've learned that no one else talks to Marquise more than Marquise talks to Marquise. And I wonder, y'all, how are we talking 
to and about ourselves. How many of us think things like, I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything, I'm, I'm worthless, uh, I'm not enough, my life doesn't amount to anything, I'm no good at this, I'm dumb and I'm stupid. I hear all sorts of students talking like that and I can't help but realize that it's the toxic thinking. As a matter of fact, there was this doctor, he is a psychiatrist and he used to work for the San Diego Chargers. His name is Dr. Amen and he said, there's a study done that we have about 30,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And 75% of those thoughts are negative thoughts. Between 30,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day and 75% of them are negative. All because of the way that we're talking to and about ourselves. And he came up with this thing called ANT, A-N-T. He said, we've gotten to the point where we have automatic negative thoughts. That it doesn't even happen consciously, that we're just walking around throughout life having thoughts about ourselves that are toxic. And y'all, I can't help but realize that toxic thinking isn't the plan that Jesus has for our life. As a matter of fact, Paul said in, in Philippians 4 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are honest and true, think on these things. Paul tells us what to think about. And when it comes to the toxic thinking, I got to be honest with you. I don't always, this is for myself too, I don't always put every thought that comes through my mind through that Philippians 4, 8 filter. Marquise, is this true? Marquise, is this honest? Marquise, is this of a good report? Marquise, is this pure? Marquise, is this lovely? And when we don't put our thoughts through that filter that Paul gave us, it leads to toxic thinking and we never really notice it. The second place that I think toxicity lives in our life is right up here. It's up on the slide, up on the screens. We can have toxic relationships and never really notice it. And when I'm talking about relationships, I'm talking about friendships. But I'm also talking about dating relationships. Some of y'all in here, y'all got a boo. Let's be 100, okay? And you can have toxic relationships, friendships or uh, relationships, and you never really notice it. As a matter of fact, as I started thinking about this idea of toxic relationships, we use this idea a lot when we talk about in our culture, uh, around your age, like talking about toxic people and toxic relationships. We say this a lot. And when I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think, of, of, of a couple that pops into my mind when I think of a toxic relationship. I'm gonna show y'all a picture of the couple that I think of. This, this is them. I'm gonna just be one, honey. I'm gonna, I just, I don't, it's just me, I know. Like, you're going this way, you're going this way. It just seems like they're not good for each other, is all I'm saying. But what's crazy, y'all, is when we look at them, we immediately are like, yes, oh my gosh. But isn't it interesting how we can notice a toxic relationship in somebody else and not even in our own life? Isn't it interesting that when we see it in someone else, it's so clear as day. What are they doing together? But when it comes to our friendships and our relationships, we're not as keen on noticing the toxicity in relationships and friendships that are eating away at our life. This is why the Bible is clear when it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, not to say that we cannot befriend them, not to say that we can't love them, not to say that we can't be around them, but when you yoke yourself to somebody, you're saying, I'm going in the same direction as you. 
And when you got friends that are not going in the direction that Jesus is calling you, when you got relationships, boyfriend or girlfriend that's heading in the direction that you're not trying to go, that Jesus is actually calling you away from, I'm telling you, it'll always feel like this tug and pull. And what's really taking place is that your soul is being eaten away at because the toxicity that's living in our lives We can have toxic thinking and never notice it. We can have toxic relationships and never notice it. And the last one that I think I want to talk about tonight is this right here. It's we have toxic behaviors and never really notice it. We can have toxic behavior in our life and never really notice it. When I'm talking about behaviors, I'm talking about like that point where you're just like being rebellious, like the lying, the manipulating, all of these different things that, that are leading you down a path that we should not be going. These behaviors that, that, that we don't even think about consciously anymore. You don't, we don't even realize that we're lying. We don't even realize we're manipulated. We don't even realize that we're in a state of just rebelling against people, rebelling against our, 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 our youth past, rebelling against our parents, and just living in this place of being rebellious. All because this behavior has creeped in and it no longer is abnormal. It is a part of who we are. And we never even notice that it's pulling us away from the path that God has for us. And here's one of the reasons why we can have toxic behavior and never notice it. Because I'll tell you this, culture and the world glorifies toxic behavior. They say toxic behavior is actually good. They say toxic relationships are actually good. Having a toxic friend is funny to the world. It's funny to them. And what the Bible says is there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. And when we get to a point where the world and culture and social media is giving us our marching orders on what we should deem as cool and fun and acceptable, we've gone off the path that Jesus has for us. And y'all, I'm saying this because I know for a fact there's some, there's some students in this room under the sound of my voice that falls in one of these three categories, and I just want to throw them up on the screens. You walk through these doors, thinking to yourself, man, Marquise, as you're, as you're saying this, what I resonate with most is that toxic thinking. What I resonate with most is, is that toxic behavior. What I resonate with most is I've got some friends or some relationships in my circle that are toxic, and you walked in here in one or all three of these categories. And man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there's a different way. Tonight, I want to talk about that different way because here's the deal. It would be so easy. It'd be so easy if we knew, like automatically, we knew that someone or something was toxic. Like one of the things I wish that God would do is just give us like an alarm system when something is toxic in our world and we just automatically knew it. I wish every toxic thing and every toxic person came with this sign. I want to show this sign. Here's a, here's a toxic sign that I wish people came with. Like I just wish this was on their foot. Every time I had a tax, toxic thought, I wish this popped up. Like, hey, this isn't a good thought. This would save us from a lot of heartache. The, the girl, she'd walk up. With this sign on her forehead, she's like, hi, my name is Sarah. You'd be like, back up, Sarah. You're toxic. If your name is Sarah, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm sure you're a lovely person. But it would be so easy, y'all, if we just knew, like, this is toxic for me. And as I started to think and I started to write this message, I thought to myself, man, 
How can I help students remember or think of things that are toxic so that we can notice it immediately? And y'all, I got to be honest with you, I, I tried to think of like a short, slick, you know, a way of saying this that was easy to remember and it rhymed and all this stuff. But I got to just be honest with you, the way that, that we know something is toxic for our life, the way that I feel like God just dropped it in my spirit, Marquise, something or someone that's toxic in your life is when it draws you away from God's best. Something or someone that's toxic in your life is when it draws you away from God's best. Because God, y'all, I'm telling you, he has a plan for each and every one of you. He has a plan for your life. And toxic things and toxic people will always try to draw you away from that plan. Will always try to draw you off of the path. And Jesus is saying that if it draws you away from me, it's toxic. If it draws you away from the path that I've set before you, it's toxic. And I just believe that God has a different way. And one of the reasons why we allow toxicity to live in our life, y'all, is because it's comfortable and it's convenient. It's comfortable and it's convenient. And what toxicity is doing is it's eating away at our life and it's depleting us. And now we're left making decisions about people and things with a depleted soul, not having any strength within us to even realize what's eating away at us anymore. As a matter of fact, something I learned recently, I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like get my figure back to when I was like 18 and like just rocked up. So I got this trainer and I was like, yo, man, I want like an A-pack. Okay, I got to have my, I want like plickety ply Like that's, that's the only way I could describe it. And the trainer was like, hey, if you want abs, abs are made in the kitchen. I was like, what does that mean? He was like, you, you got to watch what you're eating, Marquise. You, you got to watch what you're eating. He's like, here's the best piece of advice that I can give you when it comes to watching what you eat. Never decide what you're going to eat when you're hungry. Because when you decide what you want to eat when you're hungry, you'll decide on what's most convenient and what's most uh, comfortable and not what's most wise. You'll just reach for what's convenient. You won't reach for what's most wise. And y'all, the reason why we reach for toxic things and toxic people in our life is because it's convenient and comfortable and we're making that decision off of a depleted soul. And man, tonight I want to talk about what it looks like to approach toxicity in our life. That's all I want to answer. The answer or the question that I want to answer tonight is now that we notice, when we notice the toxicity, how do we approach it? Tonight, I want to pull up a passage of scripture. It's found in the book of Matthew. And before I throw it up on the screen, it's found in Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, Jesus is telling one of his most famous sermons. And he's sitting here and he's telling not only his disciples, but a crowd of people what kingdom living looks like. He talks about what it looks like to live according to his way and the path that he has for him. And he says something, y'all. If I would have got at your age, if I would have got this in middle school, if I understood this in high school, it would have saved me from a life of insecurities, heartache, depression, and pain, all because I decided to follow the way that Jesus wants us to approach toxic things in our life. In this pastoral scripture, Jesus is talking about one of the most toxic things, not, if, not, not one of, the most toxic thing that we can allow to live in our life, and that's sin. And in this past scripture, he talks about what it looks like to get, get, get rid of it. And what you, when you notice it, how you approach 
the toxicity. It's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5. It's up on the screens. I'm going to read it off of my iPad, but it's, it says this. He opens up and he says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let's, let's pause right here. What, what Jesus is opening up telling this crowd of people is he's leveling the playing field. He's saying, hey, you heard that when you commit the action of adultery, when you, get to, you, you commit the action of, of sleeping with someone's wife, then you've committed adultery. I'm saying that it's not just a matter of action. It's a matter of the heart. That when you do it in your heart, you're also committing a sin. Now, he's not saying that both are equal. Some of us can read that and say, well, I've already thought it. I might as well go ahead and do it. No, the consequences are drastically different. But what he is saying is that this is a matter of the heart. And then he tells us how to approach the toxicity. Now, I don't want you to get lost in the sauce. Don't only look at this through the lens of adultery. Don't only look at this through the lens of lust. This runs the whole gamut. This is talking about sin and all things and all people that are toxic. And then Jesus, he says this when it comes to toxicity. He says, so... If your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body for your, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Let's pause right here. I, I'm not here to preach about hell and all that. If you have questions about that, you can ask your youth group leader, your church leaders. What I want to notice in this passage, what I want to what I, what I pull out is that Jesus says, once you notice what it is, if it is your eye that's causing you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Let's, let's pause. He's not talking literally. Don't y'all go back to the dorms and warm up no spoon and try to, don't. That's not what Marquise is saying. I did not say that. But Jesus uses this strong language, y'all, to get his point across about what it looks like to allow toxicity to live in our life. He says, if you notice that it's your eye, gouge it out and throw it away. He doubles down on this and he says this, the very next line, he says, and if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He says, if you notice that it's your eye, cut it off, cut, or gouge it out and throw it away. If you notice that it's your hand, cut it off and throw it away. It's interesting that Jesus takes this strong approach to this idea of toxicity. And as I begin to think it through this scripture and just marinate on it, I'm thinking to myself, why would Jesus use this strong language? Because Jesus knows what allowing toxic things and toxic people, he knows what it does to our life if we allow it to linger. He knows what it does to our life. He knows what it does to our soul. And he's saying that the best way to get rid of the toxicity is to cut it out or cut it off, gouge it out, and throw it away. It's so interesting to me that Jesus, he's not, he's not light when it comes to the toxicity. He's not flirting with it. He's not saying like, hey, you can just like, you can kind of just do whatever you want to do with it. He's like, hey, get it out of your life. Because here's the two things that Jesus is saying about toxicity in our life. Up on the screens, here it is. Toxicity in our life. Toxic things should never be dealt with as harmless or manageable. 
Toxic things should never be dealt with as manageable or harmless. And y'all, I just want you to think about this. How many of us in this room are just saying, hey, Marquise, like, like I'm, I know this may not be good for me, but I'm, I'm managing it. Like, this is just my little secret. No one knows about it. Like, it's in a corner of my heart, and no one's going to figure it out. I'm just going to manage this relationship. I'm just going to manage this behavior that I have. I'm just going to manage these thoughts that I have about myself. Marquise, this, this, this habit, this behavior, it's, it's harmless. It's not affecting anybody. And I wonder how many of us are treating the most toxic things and most toxic people in our life as harmless and manageable when Jesus says that you got to cut it off and gouge it out. And man, I say this because I know what it's like to allow something toxic to just linger. I know what it's like like to allow something that's not good for me to just linger around and ultimately leading to a damaged soul and could damage my life. I know what it's like, y'all, because I've been there. And I thought, man, things are manageable, things are harmless. And it wasn't until someone told me to get real about it. As a matter of fact, my grandmother, who's a pastor, she's one of the, one of the biggest reasons why I'm saved today. I was speaking to her when I was younger about this idea of, of, of allowing things to sit in our life. And I'll never forget her looking at me and saying or telling me this story. She said, Marquise, I want to tell you this story that's, that's a fiction. It's fiction. It's a fable. But I think you'll get the lesson about letting toxic things live in your life. She said, if there was this lady, Marquise, that would get up early in the morning and go on her daily walk. She'd get up at 5 a.m. and walk every morning. One particular morning, it was cold outside. It was freezing, but she decided to walk anyway. She went outside, she walked down the same path she had always walked down, and she noticed that there was a snake on the side of the road. This snake was frozen in a, in a, in a block. It was like this ice block. Her heart went out for the snake, and so she brought the snake home in this ice block, and she put it in front of the fireplace. The ice block melted away. She picked the snake up, and she wrapped the snake in this cloth, and she coddled the snake, and she fed the snake. She warmed the snake up. She rubbed the snake. She loved the snake so much. She took the snake to her room. She went to sleep with the snake in the middle of the night, Marquise. The snake bit her in her neck. She jumps up. She's shocked. She looks at the snake and says, why would you bite me after I took care of you? She said, the snake looked back at her and said, you knew I was a snake when you brought me home. And y'all, I can't tell you how many times I just coddled the toxic thing in my life. I can't tell you how many times I just picked that toxic thing up, that toxic behavior, that toxic thinking, and, and I coddled it, and I wrapped it in a warm blanket, and I treated it as a pet. And what Jesus is calling us to do the entire time is to cut it off and gouge it out and throw it away. And man, I'm telling y'all this from experience. I'm telling y'all this because I know what it's like when I was your age, I allowed something toxic to sit in my life that could have ruined me. And, and, and y'all don't know me that well yet, but it doesn't take me long to just go ahead and open up and get real because time is of the essence, y'all. Time is of the essence. And, and for me, I'd rather be real with you than to stand up here and try to be slick and phony and any of that stuff. When I was in middle school, middle school and high school, I had a massive addiction to pornography. Y'all, I thought 
that this was just going to be a part of my life. I thought I'd never get over it. This is just a part of my identity because it just felt like everything that I tried, it just didn't work. I just, I couldn't figure out what it looked like to live the life that Jesus wanted for me. And it just became a part of my life. And I treated this thing as harmless and manageable. No one knows about it. I'm just going to manage it. I got this thing figured out. And I remember being around 17 years old and being fed up with this addiction. thinking to myself, I want to get rid of this. And I'll never forget someone asking me a question that pierced my heart. And the question was this. He said, Marquise, if you want to get rid of this, I got to ask you a question. What's the most radical thing you think you could do to get rid of this addiction? And y'all, at this time, the most radical thing that I could think of was to share it with somebody. Because y'all, I'm talking about, I wanted to hold this thing to the grave. I didn't want anybody to know about this. I feel like I'd be met with shame and judgment and, and all those things. Because here's the deal. What, what the enemy will want you to do is to hold on to that secret, hold on to that toxic thing, and just allow it to be a part of who you are. And just take it to the grave. No one has to know about it. And I got caught up in that lie, thinking, I'm just going to hold this, man. No one's got to know about it. And I said, man, if I got radical about it, I'd tell somebody. And I, we used to have this thing at our church, and it was called Men's Saturday. And these grown men would show up every single Saturday, and they would talk about their life and what it looked like to be a kingdom man. And I told my dad, hey, can you just drop me off? And I was praying he didn't go in with me. And he didn't go in. He just dropped me off. I said, I'm going to tell these men. And they get to the end and they ask all the men in the, in the circle, they ask every single one a question. They say, hey, what's one thing that you're dealing with that you don't want to share with us today? And everybody went around and they shared. And I remember standing up with tears in my eyes. And I just said, I got to tell y'all this. I don't know how this is going to be received. I'm a young man. I, have, I feel like they just wouldn't even understand. I stood up. I said, hey, y'all, um, I'm dealing with this addiction to pornography, and I can't figure out how to stop. And I just share and spill my guts out to them. And I'll never forget this guy by the name of, we called him Minister Duke. His name was Duke, and he was a minister on staff. Minister Duke, he wrapped his arm around me, and he said, Marquise, we got your back. I'm going to walk through this with you. And I stand here today at 30 years old thankful for the idea the, the decision to get as radical as I can in an area I thought I'd never have victory over. Now I'm sitting here with victory over that situation. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting here with victory. Why? Because I got radical about it. And Jesus wants us to get radical with the toxicity in our lives. And I just got fed up. I got to the point where I was just so fed up that I just said, I'm going to get radical about this thing that's living in my life. And after that, y'all, I'm not saying that this was a one-time event. I'm telling you, every time it popped up, I cut it off. And it popped up again, and I cut it off again. And it popped up again, and I cut it off again. And I got in a mode of cutting off this thing that I knew was toxic. I'm not saying it's going to be a one-time event. As a matter of fact, some of the relationships we got to get rid of, we just can't leave. There may be a toxic relationship that you can't walk away from because of the status of that relationship. What I am saying is that tonight we can initiate the process of getting radical. 
And when I'm talking about toxic things, I'm not just saying that this is just, we're going to pray this away. I'm talking about doing real work. When I'm talking about toxic thinking, listen to me. There's some people in this room that have been clinically diagnosed with, with anxiety or depression or, or a mental uh, situation that you're just not going to pray away. And I'm not talking about that at all. Please hear my heart. I'm talking about just getting real and initiating the process of becoming the healthy version of the way that Jesus wants you to live. And when I look at this scripture in Matthew 5, Jesus, he has a plan for us to get radical. And the most radical thing that I could do was to share it with someone. And I'll never forget, years after that, I was about 22, 21 years old. And I had this, this guy I was discipling, and he was, in, he was in high school. He was a sophomore in high school, and he was, he was trying to be discipled. He said, Marquise, I've got this addiction to pornography. What do I do? I said, I'm going to walk alongside you, and I got you in this. And then I also asked him the same question that someone asked me. I said, hey, what's the most radical thing that you could do to get rid of it? He said, Marquise, I'm going to be honest with you. The most radical thing that I could do to get rid of this is to get rid of my iPhone. I'm going to get me a flip phone. And so at 16 years old, sophomore in high school, this dude trades in his iPhone, gets a flip phone. Why? Because he'd rather be ridiculed and take 15 minutes to text his mom, hey, mom, I'm on my way home. Because that's how long it takes with a flip phone. He'd rather go through all of that than to allow that toxicity to live in his life. And y'all, tonight, tonight, I came under the power of the Holy Spirit to help free you from that. And I'm not saying that it's going to go away in a moment or in an instant. That could happen. And I'm praying for that. What I am saying is we initiate the process to get rid of this thing that's eating away at our life. And here's how you know you qualify. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down, and I, not the world, I, not your relationships, I, not your mom, I, not social media, I will give you rest for your soul. You want to know if you qualify to come to Jesus? Are you tired? Are you burdened down? Are you tired of that toxic thing? Are you burdened down by that toxic thing? You qualify to come to Jesus and find rest. As I begin to think about this idea, I can't help but ask my, or to, to, to lay out what I believe, what the process looks like to initiate getting rid of toxicity. This is what it looked like for me and so many others. For me, this is what it looked like. It's up on the screens. To consistently invite someone in to notice what I can't notice. I want to throw that up. The slide says this, consistently invite someone in to notice what I can't notice. Once I notice, get radical with my approach. Those are the two things. Consistently invite someone in to notice what you can't notice. This is why we do groups. This is why we have people in our life that want the best for us. This is why we surround ourselves with, with young men that are like-minded, young women that are like-minded, so that I can consistently invite someone in to notice what I can't notice. I'm not going to notice everything, and you're not either. But every person in this room, from the ceiling to the floor, from the back door to this pulpit, every single person in this room, 
knows what it's like to invite someone in to notice what they can't notice. This is why every Thursday I'm in a men's group and I show up to that men's group. Why? Because I'm inviting people in to notice what I can't notice. And then once they help me notice it, I get radical with my approach because Jesus doesn't call us to flirt with toxic, to coddle toxic, to tolerate toxic. Jesus calls us to get radical with toxic. The bottom line to this entire message is simply this. It's up on the screens. The bottom line is this. If you want, once you notice, get rather your approach, the next slide is this. If you want radical results, you have to use a radical approach. If you want radical results, you gotta use a radical approach. You can't solve a, a, a radical problem with a casual approach. You gotta solve this toxic, radical problem with a radical approach. And one of the most radical things we can do is to consistently invite someone in to notice what we can't notice. And then once we notice, we get radical. And tonight, as I close, I want to pray about that. And I want to pray over some students in this room, right where you are, right in your seat, that you know, even as I was talking, the spirit, not Marquise, please hear me. I wasn't unctioning you. I wasn't prodding you. I wasn't making you feel that thing in the pit of your, your stomach. That's the Holy Spirit convicting us to a healthier, holier life. And as I was speaking, if you were in this room and you resonated with something, like, man, it's that, you ain't got to tell anybody in this moment, but it was that, it was that toxic thinking for me, Marquise. Marquise, it was the toxic behavior. It's the, it's the toxic relationships. If that resonated with you, I want to pray over you. In a moment here, I'm going to ask us to close our eyes as I pray. And if you're just fed up, and you know what that toxic thing is and you notice that it's drawing you away from God's best, all I want you to do is just stand up where you are. Not right now, but when we begin praying, I just want you to stand up. Even if you don't stand up, hear me, it doesn't, it does not uh, 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 exclude you from this process. But maybe for you, standing up is your way to say to Jesus, man, Jesus, I notice the toxicity in my life. Me standing up is just me saying I'm ready to get radical about it. Because I'm telling you, allowing toxicity to live in our life leads to a lot more than a, a damaged roof. Allowing toxicity to live in our life leads to a damaged soul, damaged relationships, and ultimately a damaged life. And my prayer is that we all get radical. Let's pray. Go ahead and bow your heads at this time. And if you're in the room tonight and you noticed, you noticed what that thing or that person, that thinking or that behavior was. For some of us, we notice. For others, others of us, we won't notice it right off the bat. That's where we consistently invite others in. But if you, you heard this message and you felt like, yep, it's that person. Yep, it's that thinking. Yep. It, it's it's that 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 relationship, and you notice what it was, and you just say, "Man, tonight I want to get radical." I just would love to just, I just would love for you to stand up 
right where you are, wherever you are in your seat. This isn't about the person to your left or your right. They don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. They don't know you like God knows you. They don't love you the way that God loves you. Trust me, they love you. They have love for you. But no one loves you the way that God loves you. So if you notice, you notice the person, you notice the thing, you notice the behavior. You say, Jesus, man, I want to get radical. I'm sick of this thing. It's not just about lust or, or sexual immorality. It runs the whole gamut. Just stand right where you are. I want to pray over you. I'm going to pray for all of us. I want to pray over us. These ones who have stood up to say, man, i got to get radical. My prayer is that through the help of the Holy Spirit and godly community and the word of God, it helps us get to the version of ourselves that Jesus wants us to get to. Father, I pray right now over the people and the students in this room. God, when I was in middle school and high school, I know firsthand what it's like to allow toxic things and toxic people to linger way too long. All because I thought I could handle it. And it wasn't until I ran up against just a damaged soul and a damaged life that I realized I had to get radical. And these students, under the sound of my voice, the ones who are standing and the ones who are sitting, God, I'm praying that as they begin to notice the thing or the people or the person, that you help them get radical. Lord, that they find the strength and the boldness to get radical for you. Not because of this rule-based relationship, no, but because we have a relationship with the loving Father that wants the best for us. So, oh Lord, I'm praying for two things. Number one, I'm praying for discernment from the Holy Spirit to realize what's toxic. And number two, I'm praying for boldness to get radical once they notice exactly what it is. And them standing in this moment is just a, a physical sign saying, Jesus, I'm tired and weary and I'm burdened down. And you said that you'd give us rest. So I'm praying discernment to notice and boldness to take action for the ones who are standing representing that they're ready to get radical Lord I pray over every single student tonight I pray Lord God that in the coming days in the coming weeks in the coming hours they notice all the things that's 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 eating away at their life and you like only you can wrap your arms around them like a good loving father leading them to life and freedom the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom I pray all these things in your matchless holy name and all of God's people said amen amen and amen Well, I hope today's podcast gave you some little secrets for your big breakthrough. If you are inspired and encouraged by this message, don't forget to check out our Crossroads Winter Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in January 2022. You can find information about this event on our Clayton King Ministries website. Also, our speakers would love to be a part of your next event 
or speak at your church. You can request a speaker on claytonkinglive.com forward slash speakers. That's claytonkinglive.com forward slash speakers. And finally, please let us know how this podcast has impacted you on our Overcoming Monday Instagram account. You can send me a DM or leave a comment. Thanks for listening. I hope I've given you something to overcome your Monday.